This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Carrie Myrold, Privacy Officer at Hennepin County Medical Center in Minneapolis. Carrie recently testified at a Senate hearing on healthcare privacy issues. Thanks so much for joining us today, Carrie. Well, you're welcome. It's nice to be here. Carrie, at the hearing, you expressed frustration about the delay in issuing the long-pending omnibus package of regulations that includes, among other things, the HIPAA modifications and the final version of the HIPAA breach notification rule. How is that delay affecting you in your role as a privacy officer, and how do you think it's affecting HIPAA compliance overall? What do you think? Well, I think with regard to uh, healthcare organizations and the implementation of HIPAA, the sooner the final, final rules come out, the better place we'll be in order to implement them and, and enforce them throughout our own organizations. I think the effects basically of a delay in the re- rules results in a delay of implementation by organizations. Without that final rule, you pretty much feel as though you're in limbo. Um, you're wondering, do we spend resources on this or do we wait and see what happens? How much is going to change in a final rule? Currently, as it exists, we've missed another budget cycle. If we were to request additional employees or applications, software applications, that might indeed help us come into uh, further compliance or implement the rules. So I think what you end up doing is developing processes on a temporary basis. And uh, I know one area in particular that much work has been put into the systems for the breach notification rule um, many organizations are using different types of matrices to try to determine whether or not there was harm done or the level of harm. And I think one of the uh, questions being discussed and hopefully will be uh, come out in the final rule is whether or not we move forward with this determination of what level of harm was done or if we just end up putting notification um, every time we have a breach. So, um, which would certainly simplify it, but it would require a lot more from entities in order to meet that compliance as well. I think credibility kind of gets lost when it takes longer. If it's not important to issue the final rule, then organizations might start thinking, well, it's not important for us to implement that maybe then either. You also called on federal authorities to issue detailed guidance on a number of issues. What guidance would you like to see issued and how would it be helpful? Well, I think um, there were a number of areas indicated in my testimony. All of these affect consistency in applying these rules throughout organizations. One of them um, that I certainly would like to see is policies and procedures. I think if more guidance would have been put out initially with regard to the types of policies or model policies even, I think you'd see a lot more consistency throughout organizations. I know that when OCR does uh, do an investigation with an organization, one of the main things they look at is, um, I'd like to see your policies on this area or this area. And they've certainly been instructional in giving um, advice, I think, which has been very helpful. But it it just kind of goes to show you that there's inconsistency throughout. And so I think model policies uh, would have been a really good help in the very beginning. And, of course, business associates is another area where we're waiting for the final rule and implementing in that area um, data breach. I've already talked about the, the matrix and the level of harm and what consistency basically through subjective or objective criteria um, organizations are using in that area. Um, and then accounting of disclosures is another one where 
although they've reduced the time reporting period in the at least initially in the temporary roles from uh, six years to three years, they're including a much broader perspective as far as uh, looking for disclosures. And it really gets down to down to the minute. If you have an electronic record, they can however many people are using or accessing that. And I don't really think that's the type of information that patients are looking for. And then one other area that's of interest to us is uh, waiting for final rules on fundraising and marketing issues. Hennepin County Medical Center has a fairly new foundation that was established a few years ago, and um, there are rules uh, that we're waiting for uh, before we actually finalize some of the things that we're doing in that regard as well. In your written testimony, you noted that your medical center has stiff privacy requirements for its business associates. Could you please walk us through some of those requirements and why you believe they're necessary? Certainly. There have been a high incidence of breaches that involve vendors. And so one of the things that we had been looking at the last year or so is kind of um, beefing up, if you will, our business associate agreement. Um, We do require our business associates to sign a contract and amended or attached to that contract is a business associate agreement. Um, We also do require uh, privacy training of our vendors, depending upon whether or not they'll be accessing through like a a virtual environment type of Citrix environment and actually accessing our electronic record or, you know, what, what their services actually might be for us as a business associate. But we require them in our business associate agreement to state the type of PHI, protected health information, that they will be accessing and we then limit that access by basically the amount of data or the type of individual that they might want to access and then um, state for us what exactly what purposes they're going to be using that for. So really trying to limit down the amount and the use of that data. And then we also ask them for proof of compliance with uh, security requirements, basically a recent assessment that they might have gone through uh, with a third party or internally some type of an audit that um, shows us that their security systems are um, functioning and working. In your testimony, you also lamented that too many organizations are not making widespread use of encryption, which has led to a lot of the breaches. Can you describe how your organization is using encryption and why you took those steps? You know, I think uh, we are using encryption. Like for most organizations, it is a large expense, and I think what happens is it becomes a process um, you might encrypt your email and your laptops or any other mobile devices and then down to your desktops. It's still not a requirement through HIPAA, but obviously if you have it, it, it provides a high, higher level of protection. Um, and at some point, you know, it makes good business sense because of the nature of the data that you're using within the healthcare industry. But I, I, uh, a number of organizations still aren't using encryption or I think maybe because it hasn't been a real requirement and also due to, I think, the cost of implementing, which is probably why it becomes more of a process and you do it in stages. But it requires, you know, additional IT focus, um, maybe more personnel, certainly more applications, and then selecting a vendor that you're going to have doing that for you. So, but we we definitely took it because we want to safeguard the nature of the data that we're using. So can you tell us a little bit about the status of your use of encryption then? Where, what phase are you at? What have you completed and what's left to be done? We're 
in a process where we're currently uh, encrypting all of our, e our email and making it consistent with an or another organization that we are integrating with. Um, and then employees can bring mobile devices to our IT department to have them encrypted. And then desktops will be um, a final result for us in the, probably the 2012 year as a long-term effect. So that's where we're at. So what's your policy now on permitting the storage of patient information on mobile devices? Are you using uh, a thin client type of approach for uh, access to information, or do you allow storage on a variety of devices? No, we actually have been moving to the thin client process. And then if we have vendors um, or others who work remotely from a different location, uh, what we do is we have the virtual environment where they log in through a Citrix and um, in some cases, it actually takes up to four separate logons to actually get to the electronic health record. What we're finding is rather than encrypting devices and having people download a lot of information, this works much better um, and obviously is a lot safer than having people carry around that type of data on a mobile device. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Carrie Myrold of Hennepin County Medical Center. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.